Welcome to Amelia Baptist Podcast, where we discuss church life, theological questions, and cultural influences. Our podcasts are available via Google, Spotify, Apple, and many other podcast platforms. We hope you subscribe and enjoy today's episode. Well, welcome, everyone. I'm glad you are listening to Amelia Baptist Roundtables. It's me and Dylan Whitaker here uh, this afternoon. We hope that you've had a wonderful Wednesday. We are actually looking at a pretty interesting question. I find it perfectly timed based on maybe some things that have been going on with uh, current culture, uh, specifically the real Palm Sunday, which was Oscar night when Will Smith hit Chris Rock across the face. Yeah, we talked about really garnering our uh, su- subscription base and viewership by uh, me just walking up and slapping you. But I then, think that had nothing to do with our subscription base. It yeah, was more but, you but just But then uh, someone said I'd that. have to be suspended on staff here. So <laughs> That's accurate. Uh, the reason I bring it up, and I know it's weeks late, and I'm sure everyone's done talking about it, and I'm not going to spend the round, the round table talking about this. It's going to lead into a conversation uh, based on what righteous anger actually is and how uh, we can tell if our anger or uh, anger in a sinful manner is um, is a righteous anger or is a unbiblical anger. And so we kind of have to ask that question because people will be fast to say, yes, you can get angry. Of course you can Jesus get did. angry. Paul tells us we can get angry. Yeah. Uh, Jesus got angry. He flipped tables. They so moved I mean, right into flipping tables. Yeah, absolutely. And flipping table Monday, right? We had just experienced Holy Week and, and it's interesting. We have Sunday, Palm Sunday, and we have uh, Monday, flipping tables Monday, and then we move through the Holy Week to Good Friday and, and Easter Sunday, of course. But all of that happening when Jesus enters Jerusalem. But the main question uh, today has a lot to do with not knowing the difference. And, and does the Bible tell us about anger? And the answer is it absolutely does. And so uh, we are focusing on righteous anger. And the real reason I bring the Will Smith uh, incident up is because it was in that moment a postmodern world all had objective reactions to this instance uh, slap heard around the world hundreds of millions of people saw it and more than that talked about it the week after it was every water cooler conversation and, and the reason why is because it was out of the norm it, the setting was wrong the reason as of right now by the majority uh, is that it was unjustified in its nature um, Chris Rock was telling a joke about uh, Will Smith's wife on stage at the Oscars. And to be honest, the joke was rather tame. Yeah, uh, It was a bald joke, but he didn't know she has been suffering from alopecia. Now, say what you want about the severity of that or a comedian's job or, my goodness, much worse has been said at something as secular as the Golden Globes. And, you know, a lot of people don't even watch the Golden Globes and the Oscars anymore. So all that said, in the grand scheme of things, Will Smith just kind of walked up in the middle, hit him real hard, open hand, slapped mm-hmm. him, and then sat back down. And you could just see there was a lot buried. And I think everyone, whether they were uh, they're following the Bible or not, whether they're under the, uh, the authority of Scripture or not, in that moment said, there's something else. Something's brewing yeah. in that dude. And I think we've seen over the last couple of years, um, it become more and more uh an everyday norm to for people to express anger anger mm-hmm. um at least i've noticed it more in the last few years especially on social media or uh in, in different circles there mm-hmm. and so i guess the question is how do christians uh handle anger yeah there and you know um it, it's an important skill for christians to have 
a Christian counselor's report that 50% of people who come in for counseling have problems with anger, mm. uh, which is a huge percentage. Um, you know, really we massive. both know families that have been just shattered by anger with unresolved, household, anger, unresolved issues. anger issues and how that destroys not only family, but then other relationships outside your family. And one thing we can be confident in is that God's word contains principles regarding how to handle anger in a godly manner and how to overcome sinful anger. But one thing we want to do first is look at that Jesus flipping tables uh, narrative and uh, that, that recollection there right in the gospel week and Holy Week uh, in the right context. And so anger, as we see, is not always a sin. There's a type of anger where the Bible approves anger, uh, often called righteous indignation. We'll often just say righteous anger. Uh, we see in Psalm 711 that uh, God is angry and it is acceptable for believers to be angry. Paul tells us that in Ephesians 426. Uh, we have biblical anger uh, all throughout uh, the story of David. Uh, David being upset over hearing Nathan, uh, the prophet, sharing an injustice, right? And that was what was so funny about that turnaround is uh, Nathan's actually talking telling, about him. <laughs> telling a story about David. And that immediately changes to conviction. And mm-hmm. I think that was the right reaction, of course. Uh, Jesus' anger over how some of the Jews had defiled worship at God's temple in Jerusalem, which is, of course, what we're referring to when we say Jesus is flipping tables. And that's in John chapter 2, verses 13 through 18. Now, this example of flipping tables up in the air and like going nuts, uh, we have to be very careful the way we paint Jesus and, and the way we use that immediately as, I can get angry. As a justification. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus yeah. got angry. He flipped tables for crying out loud. I've actually heard in marital counseling once before, um, it's not like I've flipped tables talking about uh, in my marriage, you know, I've gotten angry, but goodness, I wasn't that angry as if you are now Jesus's standard mm-hmm. of, of how angry somebody can okay get. okay if I do. Yeah, you know, <laughs> right. I yelled at my wife as soon as I got home, but at least I'm not flipping tables. Yeah. Okay, well, we're getting way off like the why, the reasoning, and that is the difference between righteous anger and unrighteous anger is the direction and the reason for the anger and, of course, the lack of self-control. If you think Jesus walked into the temple here because you have zero context or maybe you've never read the narrative or maybe you have, it just was never made clear to you that Jesus was justified in this action. He didn't turn into the incredible Hulk and start smashing walls. This this is not what occurred and it's often what's painted and and used, as we've said, for justification for unrighteous anger. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every year, Pilgrims from all over the ancient Near East flocked to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. So in order to worship Yahweh in accordance with the Jewish law, if you wanted to abide the Jewish law, you needed kosher animals that were fit for the sacrifice uh, because there were many traveling long distances. They were bringing sacrificial animals uh, that were not feasible, so they had to buy animals when they arrived. They, they, in order to, to appease the one true God, you had to have kosher animals according to the old laws. So in order to pay the required temple tax, the pilgrims also needed to change their native money into temple currency. So you had like cash exchanges. All of this was going on inside the temple. Well, the merchants and the money changers in those outer courts, they provided sacrificial animals and temple currency. So they programmed, uh, prepared the pilgrims for worship. And what we read from commentator Leon Morris is they performed a useful, even necessary function. So there was nothing wrong with the commodities per se, or even with the buying and selling. And, and that's what I think people don't realize. They, this, I've heard this text even used to say, you can't sell anything inside your church. Mm-hmm. You know, like at all, like if a traveling band comes, they right. can't set up can't merch. Or a, yeah. You shouldn't be CDs selling or... coffee cups or t-shirts. And of course, we can have a different conversation about 
you know, over marketing your church or even right. being more about your church than you are about your Christ. That's a different conversation. But without these traders, the pilgrims coming to Jerusalem would have no way to draw near to God. So based on that story, our greatest depiction of righteous anger from the life of Jesus in the New Testament, why did Jesus do this? Well, one, tarnished witness. The merchants and money changers had set up shop inside the court of the Gentiles. So here's what we have to know for context. Imagine being a foreigner seeking to worship the God of Israel in the outer court, being able to go no farther in the temple. How were you supposed to worship and pray in this overcrowded marketplace filled with the loud shouts of buying and selling, the noise and stench of livestock, the jingling of all the coins? Jesus raged because this house of prayer for the nations had become a house of trade. We see that in Mark eleven seventeen. So God's plan was for Israel to draw all nations to his worship. We see that in the story of Rahab. But now the nations could hardly get into the building because of an overabundance of commercial activity. They were looking in the wrong direction. They were becoming more about the wrong thing, even in the name of convenience, mm -hmm. even marked with good intentions. And so we see Jesus seeing a tarnished witness of the church, which angered him. Why? Because he is the God man about his father's business. His reason for being for 33 years is to fulfill the will of the Lord. The one that he has given to mankind, the rescue plan, the seeking and saving of the lost through the gospel, through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus had mission and prerogative. And so it was very aimed. He never lost self-control. In fact, I bet he had emotional reactions, mm -hmm. but he wasn't being led by those emotional reactions. He was being led by his mission. He was being led by his worship and his purpose. Uh, and I, I don't think that translates when we tell that story. Yeah, I think a lot of times we see it as this just out of control rage, you know, punching the wall, you know, flipping a table, screaming. just screaming. Yeah, all the Jesus interactions, uh, you know. And, and, and we got to also remember, I mean, think about this. This is coming uh, immediately after he's uh, coming down into Jerusalem on a donkey and right. weeping over uh, Jerusalem. I mean, so I think a lot of times we separate that. We don't see where this is in the in the storyline of Jesus's right. life and understand that he just weeped because of the unbelief of this nation. And then the righteous anger that he's showing here is with that in mind, having just wept over them. Now mm -hmm. he is displaying the righteousness of God right. in the temple right. where God dwelt at that point in time. Right. You know? So. Yeah, no, absolutely right. And what's so interesting is this is a Monday after Palm Sunday when mm -hmm. this took place. And on the same day, Jesus did something else. He cleansed the temple. He cursed a fruitless fig tree. Now, people don't, may not know why he cursed the fruitless fig tree, but it was the reason uh, behind the cursing of the fig tree was to basically say, it's a perfect metaphor for Israel, those claiming to be God's people, but you don't believe in the one true Messiah. So this is a condemnation to Jewish people who do not profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So the cleansing of the temple was actually more of an indictment of empty religious activity, lip service, fruitless ritual. Imagine doing that than going to the temple, seeing the money changers for whatever reason. And saying, this is what you have become. This is what you have done with my father's house. Who's the only one who can see the heart of man? Before we start comparing ourselves, to, you know, our own anger issues to Jesus's righteous anger, we must remember our own limitations. <laughs> Jesus can see the heart of individuals. Okay. So he's not even looking at the tables when he's flipping them. 
He's looking at the people behind the tables and why they're doing what they're doing. Because some people are like, on the outside, there's reason for this, right? Currency and animal sacrifice. I can get behind this. What was his problem? It's because he is seeing fruitless fig trees. The merchants had made God's house of prayer ultimately into a market and probably heading more and more that way as we come to see with this. Yeah, same reason he had harsh words for the Pharisees, right? Uh, you know, compared to then the sinner that, you know, is falling on his face saying, you're, I'm not worthy for you to even come into my house. Right. So. Yeah. Either way, they are robbing the people uh, of their money and God of the glory that he is due because he's looking at their heart and he's seeing self-centered motives, mm-hmm. even regardless of what it looks like on the outside, he is seeing self-centeredness, and he creates righteous indignation and justifiably. So how did he do it? Remember, self-control over madman. This is not some guy walking in, cussing at uh, passerbys, you know, or people that cut him off in traffic. You are not displaying righteous indignation when, you know, your kids are screaming in the back and you shout in anger. This is not, that's not you going, I was, I was told to spare the rod, spoil the child. You are twisting everything yeah. because the Bible is about the heart. Jesus Jesus was doing what he was called to do, and so should we, even in our anger. So, what is our reason for our anger, given our fallen nature? What makes something unrighteous anger, or that unrighteous indignation that we can experience in the here and now? It has everything to do with direction. Where it is directed matters, whether or not it is righteous or unrighteous indignation. Good, good examples would be, it is rightfully... Uh, it is rightful uh, or right to be angry toward child abuse, uh, pornography, racism, abortion, sexual immorality, uh, and the like. It's right to be. But when we think angry, I think we all come with our own definitions. And we need to remember that the fruit of the Spirit is still supposed to be on display even in our anger. We're not outlawing the emotion or the visceral reaction. The Bidiano Abuele calls a reaction to sexual morality a guttural gagging reflex reaction mm. that Christians are to have. Talk about what we already deal with when it comes to being seen as a judgmental, right. self-righteous culture. Well, what makes something self-righteous? You believe you're better than the ones yeah. on your own accord, by your own works, uh, committing those actions than the ones that aren't. This is the self-righteousness he's seeing in the vipers and the Pharisees. He had harder words for the self-righteous and the indignant than he did self-indignant than he did uh, people who were prostitutes and drunkards and people he came to save who then reacted as we see through Holy Week by cleansing his feet with with perfume instead of calling for his name yeah. you know for to be killed like so parable, we have thank God that I am not like this sinner over here <laughs> right yeah exactly thank God the prayer the, yeah, the Pharisee and the tax collector praying in the temple and so we're taught to be careful in our anger that we do not sin in our anger so we have to be very careful watching that out walking that out with you know is it is a sin to be angry no but can we sin in that anger? Absolutely. Uh, recently, I was we got to spend a lot of time at home. We had a bug walk through our house slowly. Like someone would get it, and then three days later, someone else would get it. It was like everyone was getting on the tail end of the contagion period. You know? How was the Jello? No, you told everyone on Sunday to bring me Jello, and praise God, no one either one doesn't care enough about me to bring it, or two knew you were kidding. I think it's the first one. I could stand <laughs> if someone brought Jello to my house; it would have just been awful. Just I would never not have gotten eaten, and I've thrown it away, or I would have buried your supplies in it. <laughs> uh, so I'm on the couch at one point, and, and you know, I wasn't feeling good, and I go to pick up my acoustic. My guitar is usually sitting like right there on the couch, and there are rocks inside the body of my Taylor acoustic electric 
and I can immediately feel like three that or four. Righteous anger, right? right? I'm just I'm about to because I know why there are rocks in my guitar. <laughs> I didn't put rocks in my guitar. <laughs> you don't what? store rocks. Our backyard in your... has rocks what? laid down, you know, over like in different areas, uh-huh. the, you know, the, the steps and everything near the yeah. fire pit. Those had been taken, stolen from my property and brought into my house by my offspring, you know? And so I'm like picking this up and, and you know, how else do you get things out of your guitar? You flip it up and you shake it until it finds the hole, right? <laughs> the body and he throws it out. Well, I did that and broke my strings and there's rock hitting inside the acoustic electric, you know? And my reaction was not one of righteous indignation. Yeah. It was quite angry. And in that moment, I reel back and I want to ask what are the effects of my reactions here and what truly matters. So mm. personal reflection came pretty big, pretty in pretty big waves when you're by yourself in your house, but anger can become sinful when it is motivated by pride. And Jesus's anger was not motivated by pride. It was motivated by holiness. It was motivated by righteousness. Our anger must do the same mm-hmm. to be justified. It, it, and that's where I think it's it tricky for us. Yeah. And I would go so far as to say as, as, uh, <laughs> Uh, those who have a sinful nature, yeah. uh, even uh, being redeemed by the blood of Christ, mm-hmm. um, knowing that we have a propensity to uh, revert to the old man in a lot of ways, I think it's often hard to be angry and not to sin. I'm not saying, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to go so far as to say it's impossible to have righteous anger, but I, th- I think we tend to. Because uh, you're not saying it's an impossibility, right? To have righteous I, anger, I, I think it's. A, I think we tend to err on the side of mm-hmm. anger that is not Christ-like often, because you see more of that. You see uh, so often our flesh yeah. get coming up, the old man uh, rearing his ugly head and going, you know, you have a, a, a right to be angry because you are better than this. Right. Um, and looking down on that person or yeah. that situation. And that's interesting. You said that because one obvious sign that anger has turned to sin. It's not righteous anger is when instead of attacking the problem at hand, we attack the wrongdoer. Uh, we're very careful in our podcasts not to, you know, annihilate or verbally assault people who blatantly come after the kingdom, even by name. Now, I don't think it's wrong uh, to call names and call people out and beware of false teachers. I think that's biblical. But I think if you just have a grievance with someone who's a professed brother in Christ and it's a second or third or tier, third tier issue and you're just utilizing your platform, whether it be pulpit or mic, to rant yeah. at them, you're kind of a, a falling into what's called an ad hominem uh, rule book of arguments, mm-hmm. right? The direction of the anger matters and the display of the anger matters. How it's done matters. It's always a reflection of our heart. All of our actions, actions required in holiness, but all of our actions are a reflection to what's in our heart. And so anger becomes a sin when it is allowed to boil over without restraint, resulting in a scenario in which hurt is multiplied, leaving devastation in its wake. And obviously, if it's from the Prince of Peace, it's, it's not going to leave devastation in a sense. See, God came with a sword, but in the same sense, it's righteous and just, and it's his will and not our own. But mm-hmm. when our pride comes in, it's chaotic devastation. It's outside of his will and his ways, and it becomes about ourselves. I mean, think about it when you, when you look at constructive criticism. If we were to do an online poll of how well people take constructive criticism or real rebuke, Think about how much rebuke is between believers in the New right. Testament church. Like healthy friendships are ones that are made of, hey, man, you know what? You need to stop doing what you're doing. Mm. Like, I love you, man. But you need to, but no, we're flooded with insecurity and depression right. and anxiety and all this stuff that we perhaps accumulated 
uh, socially or through our own consequences, or even worse, it's victimhood and anger from unresolved issues or abuse. Like if there are real abuse issues that have not been brought to light that, mm-hmm. that you're dealing with, that you're listening to and you're like, no, you don't understand what my childhood was like. You don't understand what I went through and how there needs to be grace from the church and not, not you know, ab- more abuse. Basically saying, this is all your fault. You need to get down to those issues and you need to tell them and talk about them before they boil over. The, the point here is get it out and get it dealt with before it affects more of your life. Mm. I mean, this is easier to say, of course, I know. And depending on the level and right. the variables, it's always a different case. But the rules of the Bible still apply. The consequences of out-of-control anger are irreparable. And I don't want to see people have more consequences on top of living a life that's a result of other people's consequences mm. in your life. And so we just we need to be very careful and focus on the scriptures here. Um, anger also becomes a sin when the angry one refuses to be pacified, holds a grudge, or like I said, through victims of abuse, keeps it all inside. Mm-hmm. Like I would just urge people to find someone they can trust, uh, be a part of a, a godly local church where there is shepherding and mentoring and a fellowship, family of believers that you can talk to about these things and make unresolved issues, resolved issues. Mm-hmm. Because if we're being honest, this can cause depression and irritability over little things, which are often unrelated to the underlying problem. Uh, what you're usually seeing is sometimes consequences or fruits of not dealing with the anger that you're supposed to deal with. Mm-hmm. So we can deal with anger biblically, but we first have to recognize it and admit that our prideful anger is one of the main reasons why we're having a wrong handling of our anger and why it becomes as a sin. It's because it's about and ourselves. And the Bible warns to take the speck out of our own eye before yeah. we take, you know, or, or the beam out of our own eye before we take the speck out of our brothers. Yeah. I think that's important to uh, remember as we look at our life and saying, okay, this thing that I'm angry at, mm-hmm. is this in my heart, you know, too? Um, is it is it something that's coming up through pride or haughtiness? Right. There. Yeah, relationships are hard, man. Like, at the end of the day, this is where a lot of these come from. Mm. A lot of our anger comes from the fact that how many people, people have you we're met? closest to, right? Right. The people <laughs> you're closest to let you down or... Uh, you know, you talk about your friends and family. I had a conversation with a young man the other day, just right after church. You know, I just, I'm having a real problem loving people, man. Just people let me down and I have to kind of turn around sometimes and say, well, how much weight do you have in their opinion of you? Like how much weight do you have in their approval of you? Mm-hmm. Like these are real honest questions you kind of have to ask yourself. Uh, so look at Ephesians four twenty six through 27 there. Uh, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity uh, to the devil. Uh, which means we should check our attitude as well as our motive before becoming angry with others. Uh, the church is supposed to be a place where this is acted out, not uh, shortchanged and certainly not ignored. Paul says in Romans twelve nineteen through 21, the very end, do not be overcome by evil, be, uh, but overcome evil with good. And so I want to end on a few things that you can do to kind of help channel that anger into constructive action. Uh, by becoming sort of involved, of course, in your local church setting or in a, perhaps a Christian organization that combats the influence of evil in society. Uh, I think there's always ways and reasons for activism in that sense, uh, righteous activism. But the key is, if our outrage results in bringing others into a loving and restorative relationship with God, it's righteous indignation. But if it becomes all about us, and it's not about God's will or God's ways, it's not mm-hmm. walking his way out instead of our own. Do we have friends checking that pride? That's one of the ways we can kind of fail in our, in our anger as Christ followers. So we can handle anger first uh, by biblically seeing God in the trial. This is especially important when people have done something to offend us. Um, nothing happens to us that he does not cause or allow. So if there's something bad in your life going on, it's really hard for people sometimes mm-hmm. to hear this, but God's sovereign over its allowance. 
And I think that helps at least, at the very least, center us into why it's happening. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think there's a reflection needed there at the very beginning saying God is sovereign over what, the, what I'm going through. Because I think some of the anger can come when you don't know why mm. what's happening is happening. Yeah. And you feel kind of lost. Well, you do have direction, purpose. Have you been called mm. by the Lamb of God? Like, let's go, man. This is a mission. So are we thinking of it that way? And then number two, we can handle anger biblically by making room for God's wrath. And what I mean by that is uh, this is especially important in cases of injustice when evil men abuse innocent people and righteous men rightfully react to that. I'm gung-ho, especially, you know, as a father, it's like I'm I'm perfectly fine sometimes with vigilante justice. (laughs) Like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, of course, I see I see sin and I see sin to that degree, that amount. And we're all kind of like in agreement. Yeah. uh, Give him the chair. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. But even then, in that attitude, mm-hmm. it's so easy to be self-righteous and forget the own, our own depths to our Where sin. you came from, right? Where we came from. I said this the other day online, um, that everyone you know who loves Jesus now once didn't. Everyone you, lo- you know who loves Jesus now was once more evil than you could possibly imagine, whether they acted on that or not. They had the capability of doing so. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important understanding of human nature, that we have the capability of being evil. And then Jesus wrecks us, saves us, loves us, and it's a righteous act through salvation. And we can trust him who knows all and sees to see all things be just. And we go over that in our Revelation series as well. Uh, We can handle anger biblically by returning good for evil. And we can handle anger biblically by, like I said, communicating to solve the problem. So just a few basic rules of uh, handling that anger in a righteous way righteous way. And so uh, we see a call uh, from James at the very end, Dylan, about what it's like for the need for the church to have righteous indignation. If you wanted to end this on that. Yeah. Um, James says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And I think, again, remembering um, uh, our uh, man-centered anger uh, is not going to produce what God's righteous anger does. And again, this is a great week, uh, Easter week, as we lead up to that, to remember that the same Christ that flipped tables on Monday died on Friday and rose again on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And understanding the whole picture that he's flipping tables because of the unbelief and mm-hmm. the the sin there and then by friday you know friday rolls around and he's dying on a cross for that exact sin yeah and um so in our anger i think it's important for us to um you know understand uh, the love that goes with the righteous indignation mm-hmm. uh, anger at the sin anger at the sinfulness of this world what sin has wrought in in our lives in the lives of um uh our culture, mm-hmm. you know, and then how it affects people, yeah. but to understand the soul behind right. that, that still is in need of salvation by Christ Jesus. Yeah. I think that's a great point to not be eager for the righteous indignation, but to see people, to see souls that you're called to share the gospel with. Uh, that is a really, really good word and something that requires more introspection than our flesh is capable right. of giving us. It's only um, by the grace of God. Only by the grace of God. And so as we kind of sort of come to a resolve with that story of Jesus uh, flipping tables in the temple, as well as our own uh, resol- resolutions with the anger that might be plaguing our lives or might be something that we're dealing with or hurting our relationships, I want to end with a challenge that each of us must ask God to cleanse our witness, our worship, 
and the reason why again and again in the same way Jesus cleansed the temple uh, that we should ask him to turn over the tables in our hearts churches and organizations sanctifying our motives so that our deepest longing would be to worship him friends Jesus is the true temple and our only hope and so as the truer or better temple uh, Jesus lived a life of perfect worship motivated not by personal gain but by sacrificial love and obedience to the father and my hope is that we do the same yeah my prayer for my my own life is that God would Give me righteous indignation for any sin in my life. In my life first, and then may our eyes turn towards the mission and the world around us. Did you want to share something, uh, perhaps, that is going on in your life that uh, uh, may have been shared to our church family and online recently? It's just something small. Yeah, um, I'm eating a lot better than I was during college. That's not what my wife makes really amazing. So yes, your beautiful wife, Emily, Um, I was talking more that it did involve her. I was thinking, okay. Oh, you mean that little slight detail that another Whitaker Whitaker will be joining. um, Yes. Our household in November. That's right. Exactly. That one. I'm so excited for you, man. (laughs) You and I have prayed and talked about this for a long time. And I know you've wanted to be a a dad for a long time, man. You're just going to be a great dad. I'm so excited for you. So remember, if you're listening to this point in the podcast, congratulations. Six of you that are still here, uh, put a comment (laughs) (laughs) congratulating Dylan and Emily on uh, their new arrival to which they will either name Adam Edward Whitaker or Clay, what we say the other one was Clay I Adams. Think it, well, if it was a girl, I th- I think it was Paige, Paige something Whitaker. <laughs> anyway, really uh, these are not approved. This has not been approved by the Whitaker household. It has been approved. Uh, it is binding is in the state of Florida. This episode is not <laughs> sponsored or approved. <laughs> this podcast is binding in the state of Florida. Take us out, Clay. <laughs>